found in uh, 2 Corinthians today, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and uh, we've been kind of moving through uh, the, uh, the epistle uh, that is really the second epistle that uh, the Apostle Paul has written to the church at Corinth. And uh, we come to chapter 12, and I want to read the first uh, 10 verses uh, that are there. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along with me in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 1. Uh, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man uh, to utter." Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself, I, yet I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, uh, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, we've been spending a little bit of time looking at Second uh, Corinthians and uh, been addressing some of the issues that the Apostle Paul himself uh, is addressing as he writes to the church at Corinth. As uh, we have been sharing previously, uh, most of us know that this second epistle that Paul writes to the church is one in which he's actually uh, doing a lot more commendation uh, to them as opposed to in the very first epistle that he wrote, there was a lot of condemnation of the things that they had been doing and some of the errors that they had engaged in. And so consequently, as we read through 2 Corinthians, we've been kind of pulling out some of the very positive notes that the Apostle Paul has been emphasizing and been sharing specifically uh, with the church. I uh, read a cute little story. Uh, it simply was about a, a police car that had pulled up in front of, uh, of uh, Grandma uh, 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 Bessie's house. And uh, as uh, she saw the police car pull up, she was a little bit concerned, and so she ran outside. And as she did, uh, Grandpa uh, came out of the car with the policeman, and uh, the policeman explained that this elderly gentleman uh, was lost in the park and couldn't find his way home. And uh, finally, uh, Grandma said to Grandpa and said, Now, Grandpa, come on now. You've been going to that park for over 30 years. You go every single day and you come back. How in the world could you get lost? And uh, leaning really close to Grandma, Grandpa leaned over and spoke and whispered into her ear and says, I wasn't lost. I was just too tired to walk home. <laughs> And, uh, you know, sometimes I think occasionally we in our, in our lives, uh, we maybe don't stop and realize uh, that uh, uh, the Lord has uh, uh, blessings for us and uh, the Lord certainly is with us regardless of, of how things are going. And uh, uh, Grandpa didn't really want to put the effort forward. And I hate to say this, but I think sometimes we as Christians are always looking for the easy way out. 
Uh, it's uh, We're sometimes looking for that police ride home, maybe, instead of actually walking home like we know we're supposed to. And uh, one of the things that the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church is really a challenge uh, that they would uh, take and exercise the faith that the Lord has given to them and that he would take, they would take and exercise the blessings that God has provided for them and that they would be uh, certainly growing and maturing in Jesus Christ in every aspect, particularly when it comes to his grace. <clears throat> One of the things that that Paul is uh, being reminded of here, and we maybe just need to back up just a hair and, and realize what was going on with Paul. Uh, Paul actually is relaying his experience. It was kind of a unique one. Uh, and, and I want to just make a mention here uh, that I'm not going to try to explain uh, the experience that Paul had. Uh, and the reason I'm not going to try to explain it is because Paul did not try to explain it within the scriptures. In fact, Paul says, I don't know exactly what happened. I know that I had received some special blessing and a special revelation. Uh, there is something that happened to me. Uh, there is something, I don't even know if it was in the body or if it was in a vision. I don't know if it was real. I don't know if it was something that God put in my heart. I don't really know what exactly happened. All I know is, is that in the midst of it, I received this wonderful blessing. He had this opportunity to almost have kind of a, a glimpse into the midst of some aspects of eternity. And in the midst of it, with it being such a great thing, he actually shares that in order to keep him humble, that there was given to him what is referred to, as he calls in verse 7, as a thorn in the flesh. Now, there's some individuals that debate a little bit about what this thorn in the flesh was. Uh, some individuals are very quickly run to, and I probably tend to lean towards some kind of physical malady. Some people say that perhaps it was his eyesight, uh, that his eyesight was going, and he recognized that it was a weakness in his body. There are others that actually, however, will make a big emphasis and say that it says that it was a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, and that it was actually a person uh, that was uh, bothering him and a person that had been sent that was going to be make his life a little bit miserable. And I know that some people can identify with that from time to time. And, uh, you know, we need to be very careful, I think, about how we identify it because we don't know. What we do know is this, is it tells us in verse 8 that the Apostle Paul took the time and it says that he was praying about it. So he had this problem, this thorn in the flesh, whether if it was a physical malady, whether if it was somebody in the flesh that was causing trouble, uh, regardless of what it was, it says that he prayed about it. It says that he prayed about it. It says that he prayed about it. He says that he prayed about it thrice and he asked the Lord to take it away. But instead of the Lord taking it away from him, the scripture tells us that he actually got a response from the Lord in verse 9, and it says that the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he gets this response back. It's not the response that he actually expected, but it is a response of the Lord's provision for him, and that he would receive his grace, and that his grace is sufficient. This morning, I want us to be reminded of the very simple fact uh, that his grace is sufficient. We do not need God plus the government <laughs> today. What we need is we need God. We do not need God plus a million medical answers. I'm going to tell you what we need today is we need the living God. That's what we need. And one of the things that we are reminded of is, is that God certainly is in control. We'll mention that again here in just a little bit. But we need to remember that his grace is sufficient. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Probably most of us in this past week have really been kind of, wow, 
We haven't quite seen something like this happen before. And uh, many of us are asking questions. Many of us are wondering. Many of us are, are evaluating. If you're like me, I like, to, I like to get on. I like to look at the numbers. And I like to think in terms when we talk about uh, something that is actually uh, spreading. And, you know, when it can go from one person to another person to another person. I actually asked somebody at work the other day. I said, if, I said, if in fact, I was, I, suppose I had COVID-19. I don't. Praise the Lord. I'm pretty sure I don't anyways. I've been away from everybody for a couple of weeks and I haven't been sick, so I'm very thankful for that. But uh, in the midst of it, if I had COVID-19 uh, and, and I was to uh, infect Rich over here, okay, uh, I got together with Rich and I sneezed on him and he gets COVID-19, okay? And we did that today. And then tomorrow, uh, we both went out and we infected somebody else. And then the next day, uh, everybody went out and infected somebody else. Do you know how long it would take for everybody in the world to have COVID-19? 35 days. 35 days is all it would take. Because it moves exponentially. It doubles every single day, okay? Every single day it doubles over and over and over. I was uh, teasing yesterday, I was uh, talking with my daughter, and I said, uh, West Virginia has been the most dangerous place. It's been advancing there more than any other place. And some of you are going to look at me funny and say, wait a minute, there's only eight or ten cases or so in West Virginia. Yeah, they went one, two, four, six, <laughs> or eight. They, they've been doubling. And uh, they're the only, but obviously because they only had just a couple of cases to start with. Uh, brothers and sisters, as we stop and we see these things that are happening and they're happening so rapidly, I think there's a genuine sense in which we as believers and certainly all of mankind uh, all of a sudden begins to feel just a little bit helpless. And we study it and we research it and we debate it and we evaluate it. Uh, we hang in there. We're trying to follow the instructions. And I, I want to challenge everybody to follow the instructions that they're telling us. Uh, people need to stay away from people. The best way to stop something like this advancing is not passing it on. It really is. But in the midst of this, we need to remember that his grace is sufficient. I'm thankful, very thankful that we have a government that's working to try to deal with some of the problems that we have. I'm very thankful that we have healthcare personnel that are working diligently, and some of them are in research trying to figure it out. Others are actually engaged in practice, and, and individuals are helping one another, and all these things that are going on. I'm thankful for all of those things. But when it's all said and done, we need to really stop and be thankful for his grace because his grace really is sufficient for us regardless of what comes our way. I want to suggest to you this morning that in very simple terms, that when we look at this text and we hear what the Apostle Paul is experiencing himself personally because it is God that is telling him that God's grace is sufficient for him, is that we need to remember that first of all that God's grace sustains us. Uh, some of you might be familiar with the passage and, and would encourage you maybe to just go back in your Bibles if they're still open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a verse that starts in verse 13. And in verse 13, I'll read for us. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What a wonderful promise. What the scriptures are reminding us here is, is that although there are difficulties and there are problems that come our way, and, and brothers and sisters, I, <clears throat> I know that, and some of you know that 
I'm pretty quick to, I don't believe in the, what they call the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, uh, that if you're just spiritual, you'll be healthy and wealthy and everything will be wonderful. I'm not saying that. Uh, in fact, as I look at the scriptures and I watch uh, believers down through the centuries, it seems to me that Christians, uh, I'm not saying they have it any worse than anybody else, but they certainly have the same problems that everybody else has. And in fact, that's exactly what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It tells us that there isn't anything that's happened to you or me that isn't common to man. It doesn't matter if you're a believer today. It doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever today. The things that happen to us are very common. We experience them on a daily basis, and we experience problems. And I wish I could tell you that being a Christian, that it'll be a life, it'll be a bed of roses. <laughs> but it's not going to be that way. The truth is, is that you're going to have problems, I'm going to have problems, we're going to be faced with challenges, and we do. It's interesting, however, that the scriptures always pick up on exactly what our goal is. Our goal is always, our prayer for the most part is just like the Apostle Paul's. I'm, I'm not being critical of it because it's been my prayer many times as well. But it's interesting that our prayer is always this, that it would go away. <laughs> That's our prayer. Whenever there's a problem, what's our first prayer? Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. The Apostle Paul says that he prayed three times that the problem would go away, whatever this thorn in the flesh was in his experience, and he wanted it to go away. And our goal is always for things to go away. We just want things to depart from us and to go away. But it's interesting that one of the things that God tells us in his word here is, is that not everything always goes away. But if it doesn't go away, that he is faithful to give us the strength that we need so that we will never get to a position where it's more than we can actually handle. Now, I've heard people discuss and debate this and say, how do you know that? Well, I can tell you, first of all, I know it from personal experience. I know it from testimonies of other people as well. I know it because God said it. And that really ought to be enough for us to recognize that it's it. And by the way, if you're still debating it, guess what? You're still being sustained. So, you know, knock it off. You're actually, you're, you're the answer to the question. Brothers and sisters, when we stop and we take a good look at the grace that God has given to us, we need to understand, first of all, the origin of that grace. When we talk about grace, we need to remember that grace really comes from God himself. The origin is from him, and it actually is born out of his love and the depth of his love, which is a unique kind of love. And we talk about this all the time, about the different kinds of love that are described within the scriptures. And there's certainly the, you know, we have the, the loves that are described, the, the erotic love that's described in scriptures, eros. Uh, there's, the, uh, there's the phileo, uh, the Philadelphia, we call it love, brother, city of brotherly love. It's, the, it's the, uh, the, the fact that we love one another because we're related to one another. We have something that is in common, and we have a concern one for another because there's a relationship but there's also described in the scriptures the agape love and the agape love is God's love it's a love that's in spite of it's it's the love that's described in the scriptures when it tells us while we were yet sinners Christ died for us in fact the Bible makes a real clear point of making that you know it's pretty easy to do something good for somebody that's nice isn't it somebody does something nice for you it's pretty easy to do something nice for them right um, I had uh, in my neighborhood, I, I'm thankful for this winter, uh, we haven't had any snow, <laughs> but uh, uh, there's, a, there, there's a lady up the street from me every now and then, if we get really a lot of snow, I'll go shovel her driveway. I don't do it all the time, but I do it occasionally, and, and I'll tell you what, I don't really mind doing it, and, and this is going to sound awful, and I don't tell her I said this, uh, but more often than not, I end up getting a plate of cookies. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good little reward there, you know? And, you know, it's pretty easy to do something nice for somebody, especially when they're nice to you, isn't it? It's really easy to be nice to people when people are nice to you. But it's another thing to be nice to people that are mean and vicious. 
towards you, isn't it? Because we have a natural tendency to be antagonistic. We have a natural tendency to be rebellious, to respond to the things that happen to us. And brothers and sisters, one of the things that we learn from God is a very unique depth of love that's described as agape love, that is a love that's in spite of. It's the love that God poured out for you and for me. It's the love that God has for every individual. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, that he gave of himself that we could be forgiven and we could be cleansed and we could be changed. There's a very simple fact that we see this depth of love and we see this origin of grace coming out of that love, but we also see it out of simply his deity and his grace is poured out because in simple terms, God is good. And probably more important, God is in control. He gives his grace to us and that grace that we receive comes from him and that grace is sufficient for us. There is an interesting thing that we need to understand, and that is, is that grace is provided, and we can see the origin of him. But the truth is, is we need to understand that there's an offer of this grace. And when the Apostle Paul hears these words, as it were, from the Lord Jesus himself, that says, my grace is sufficient for you, we need to hear those very same words because it's an offer of grace. It is available to us. God's grace is always available to us. Most of us are familiar with the scripture text in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It simply says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What it's really saying is, is the salvation is provided by grace. We receive it in faith. We believe that he's provided it, and we personally receive salvation. We personally receive forgiveness. We personally receive cleansing. We, we personally receive it through faith, but it's grace that gives it to us. And the reason that God does it in grace is so that nobody could brag. So I couldn't go around and say, you know what? I worked really hard last week, and I was such a good guy that God gave me his grace. The reality is, is there's not a one of us here that deserves that, not a one of us that ever deserves God's grace. He provides it for us, and as I would already mentioned previously, as the scriptures remind us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, his saving grace is free, and most of us celebrate that. We're thankful that salvation is free. It's provided to anybody who believes, anybody who receives. We're familiar with Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will open the door. What? He will come into me, and we'll sit down, and we'll eat together. That's what it really says. There's an invitation that is given there, and it's an invitation to anybody that will receive him. Brothers and sisters, we understand that grace is free when it comes to salvation. Do we understand how free grace is for us as it sustains our faith? That that very same grace that saves us will strengthen us and save us. His grace is sufficient. It sustains us. And this morning, I want to ask a very simple question. Are you drawing from his grace today? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. It's hard to be living in the midst of our world, and we have all kinds of competing things that are coming at our ears and at our minds. Uh, there are some people that are out there that are you know, crying doom and gloom. The world's coming to an end. It's, it's all over with. It's somebody that's, uh, somebody discussed it was talking about uh, the possibility that we're in the tribulation period. Got some news for you. We're not in the tribulation period. Go back and read the book of Revelation, or better yet, come to Bible study on Wednesday nights. We're taking a look at it. And you begin to take a good look and you see what the tribulation period is going to be all about when literally a quarter of the whole earth gone. Uh, those kinds of things, that's the tribulation period. 
But we got all kinds of people with doom and gloom. We got other people that pretend like there's no problem at all. They're living in a fantasy world that there's nothing, okay? Uh, brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you how to think or whatever. I'm not sure where all of this is going. I do know this, and I want to make this declaration, and I don't care who believes it or doesn't believe it because it's a simple fact. His grace is sufficient for us. Amen. We need to understand that, and we need to depend upon that, and we need to stand upon that, and we need to make sure that we're drawing from his grace and that our faith is in him, our trust is in him, that our walk is in him, and that we're seeking to serve him. Let me suggest to you this morning that we need to not only understand that his grace sustains us, but his grace gives us substance. As we take a look at this, this scripture that, that the Apostle Paul shares with us, he says that my grace is sufficient uh, for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Apostle Paul, in response to this statement, actually notices and he actually agrees with the very simple fact that the difficulty that he's going through, this thorn in the flesh that he has, is something that God is actually using to strengthen him and to give him a sense of substance of who he is. He says that his strength is made perfect in weakness. And uh, one of the things that we need to remember is, is that God uh, wants to and is working in us. He wants to mold us and shape us. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us an internal strength, a, a maturity as we walk with him, an ability to see more than just the present or the problems that we have before us. In other words, he wants to give us an internal fortitude. Now, I don't know about you. I want to be very careful how I say this, uh, but uh, I... Uh, I look at some of the problems that we face today, and I have to, I have to be honest with you, and I, I say sometimes, you know, we really don't have it too bad. Even when we take a good look at what's going on right now, uh, I don't know about you, I'm glad I live in the country I live in. I'm really thankful for that, that I'm not living in some other country that may be pretending that it doesn't even exist, okay? But I was thinking particularly as I was getting ready for this, and I was thinking about some of the things that we've gone through. I had somebody make a comment to me, says, we've never been through anything like this before. Well, we could probably say that about anything that happens, but when we talk about anything like this before, we talk about the problems. Have we forgotten so quickly some of the struggles that even we've been through in our nation? Our nation's basically a baby in the world, if you stop and think about it. But the things that have gone through, do you realize that we went through a thing that was called the Civil War? in which about 600,000 people were killed in the United States, and it's when the population was much lower than it is now. We went through another war that was uh, World War II that had losses of upwards of over 400,000 people. And I have to tell you that I, I have to, I want to say this so carefully, because it seems like in our world today we have people that have a difficult thing in their life take place and all of a sudden they have some kind of a, 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 a special problem in their life they're, they're not able to cope because uh, they've had so much trauma and I have to be honest with you I, I stop and see some of the trauma that the world has seen in the past and people are able to continue to press on in the midst of trauma and I wonder sometimes if we are not just individuals that have allowed ourselves to get in a position where we cry about every little thing and I want to tell you that the Lord wants us as believers to have a little bit of strength and stamina and fortitude in our spiritual walk. 
Every little problem and every little thing that comes our way ought not to be something that causes us to stop and, and, and to whine and cry about it. Now, you know, uh, I don't know about you, I've, I, I love little children, and I watch little children, you know, and they, uh, children are amazing in two ways, okay, two ways to me. One is, one is, is that a little thing can happen, they, they fall down and they, you know, they, or they bump their head on the wall or something, they're walking by, and they go running to mom and dad crying, you know, and of course mom or dad, you know, give it a kiss, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's miraculously better. It's, it's amazing uh, how that works. Uh, in the midst of it. And then there's other times where I've seen little kids go and it's like, I've seen little kids crash on their bicycles and the thing just goes tumble, tumble, tumble and they go twisting in all different directions and what do they do? They just get up and they get on the bicycle again and they keep going. And brothers and sisters, I, I don't know what all the answer is in all of this, but I do know this, that God wants us to have somewhat of an internal strength that is a genuine strength that gives us a stability almost a spiritual gyroscope that allows us to not be caught up in just the problems that we face, not letting our eyes see those things. Do you remember, do you remember Peter? Jesus comes walking on the water. Remember Peter? And Jesus says to Peter, he says, you know what? He says, go ahead, come on out here. <laughs> Peter finally sees it. What's Peter do? Well, Peter's got, Peter's Mr. Bold, right? He's got all the answers. He steps out of the boat and he steps on the water and he starts taking a couple steps and uh, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I can't help but looking and go, wow, this really works. <laughs> but in the midst of it, he starts to walk and then what happens? All of a sudden he starts to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the waves. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of, an, uh, some kind of a, a simple-minded or, or, or a not a practical life at all that doesn't look at anything that's around us. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, however, is do we really have our eyes on Jesus? And uh, if there's ever a better time than now, now's it to stop and ask ourselves where our trust really is. Where our trust really is. God wants us to have an internal strength, a maturity, to be able to see more than just the present, to be able to rise above the problems and the difficulties that we have. He wants to increase our strength day by day. I was sharing with Richie there and with the, you know, a little exercise thing. And you know, we're living in a day and age, everybody wants exercise, right? People are out running and walking, people go to the gym, people are lifting weights, people are doing cardio, people are doing all kinds of things. I mean, crying out loud, they sell Peloton at whatever, $3,000 a clip and another $60 a month for a thing. And people buy them uh, pretty soon, they're gonna be nice coat hangers, I'm pretty sure in a lot of places, but in a lot of homes. But you know, everybody's gotta work out, everybody's gotta get in shape, everybody wants their bodies to be in good shape. And that's good for us. We, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to take care of, of, of the temple that God has given to us. We need to do that. But what about inside? Are we growing and are we maturing? Uh, are, are, are we really developing that strength day by day? Let me ask you this today. Can I ask you a blunt question? Are you a stronger Christian today than you were yesterday? Are you a stronger Christian today than you were last week or last month or last year or last decade? Are you growing and maturing? Now, I'll be honest with you. Your life might be a little bit like mine. Sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm not so up. I won't say down, but, you know, I'm not really flying. Sometimes I'm growing and sometimes I'm kind of coasting, okay? But, you know, the truth of the matter is is that we need to be always increasing in strength and increasing our spiritual strength. We need to be trusting him more and more. There needs to be this individual strength and that God takes and uses us. Let me suggest to you that obviously his grace sustains us and his grace gives us and makes us a substance. He makes us into something. But ultimately there is a response to his grace and that is a very simple fact of a thing called surrender. 
Take a look at verse 10. It says, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you read that text? When you first read it, you want to say, is this guy crazy? Because what's it say? He says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. Uh, it seems to me that in our world, we live in a, a world in which people are always trying to, uh, trying to have a pity party. And uh, people are always, oh, poor me. You don't know the problems I've got. You don't know my situation. You don't know my difficulty. You don't know. Well, first of all, I can tell you it may be true. I may not know. And if you come and tell me your problem, I personally may not really understand what your problem is. I can guarantee you one thing. God said, remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, there isn't anything that's happened to you that isn't common to man. So I'm sure that I can find some other people that know exactly what you're going through. The same is true as when you come and tell me that. I can tell you my problems. You may not know what my problems are. <coughs> what I do know is this, is, is that we need to certainly come to the place where we recognize his grace, his wonderful sustaining grace, and to surrender ourselves to his grace. We need to have a different attitude. We need to be like the Apostle Paul that says, I take pleasure in those things because it's in those things that actually make us stronger. I think of little children, and I've had my kids, and I've had other grandkids and, and other kids that, that have come and said, oh, my legs hurt, my arms hurt, and they're aching. You know why they hurt? They're going through a thing we call growing pains. Literally, the bones are growing and getting longer, and they're stretching the muscles that are in the arms and in the legs, and they have pains, and they ache, and they hurt. And it's wonderful that children have parents and family members that will take them and hold them and say, it's okay, it's just a growing pain. I've got some news for you. You cannot grow as a Christian without some pain. And if you don't have any pain, you're not growing. <laughs> We need to stop and have a different attitude so that we can be like the Apostle Paul where we're actually thankful, we're actually praiseful. We actually take pleasure in some of the things that we face that life isn't always easy and the very simple fact is, is that sometimes we have some infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions because when it's all said and done, God takes them and uses them for our good. It's always funny. We like to quote that verse, don't we, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? For we know that all things work together for the good to them love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. We like to quote that, don't we? Yet we, for some reason, we don't like to live through it. <laughs> and the truth is, is that it's a truth. He works in our lives and takes those things and uses them for our good. We need to have a different approach as we go about life so that we are willing to surrender to him first and to face head on and trust on him and draw from him the strength and the sustaining grace that we need from day to day. And then certainly there needs to be a very different acclamation that we make. We need to be, as it were, we need to be shouting that when I am weak, I am strong, not because of me, but because when I recognize that I'm weak, I draw upon the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I come to the place where I realize I can't do it myself, I become dependent upon him and then all of a sudden I have his ability I have his strength I have his blessing I have his provisions and that's exactly what I need we need to be immersed in his grace brothers and sisters this morning
The Apostle Paul, in very simple terms, was struggling himself. In very simple terms, he prayed to the Lord and he said, Dear Lord, take this away. Dear Lord, take this away. Dear Lord, take this away. But when it was all said and done, the Lord said to him in some very simple terms, My grace is sufficient for you. This morning, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient. It sustains us. It gives us substance. It helps us as we surrender to him and we yield ourselves to him and his will. I pray that the Lord will certainly remind us, even in the midst of this day, of his wonderful grace that sustains us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us and thank you, Lord, for the blessings that we receive. But Lord, even today, we're thankful for the challenges and some of the, the, the troubles that we face as well because we recognize clearly that in your word you remind us that it is then that you pour out your grace. It's then that you build up within us a, a, a sustainability, a, a strength that is internal and, and is spiritual. Uh, we stop and say thank you for the ways that you've strengthened us in the past and some of the growing pains that we've gone through before. And Lord, today... We don't have the answers to everything that's going on, not with the difficulty that's going on presently in our world or, or any other problem that may come down the path. But Lord, we do know this. We can put our faith in you. We can trust you because today we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your grace is sufficient for us. Amen. Remind us of that truth today, we pray, and strengthen us as we walk with you. Help us, Lord, as we minister that grace to the world around us. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name.